You're listening to the Screening in Kingston podcast, recorded in Kingston, Ontario, Canada, at CFRC, 1019 FM, Queen's University Campus. Well, this is a really exciting episode, Taylor. I know. I'm I'm pumped. We're kicking off our first ever movie club. We the, should have gave, given it a jazzy name, but we didn't. The Tyler Vance Memorial. Uh, although that makes it sound like he's dead. Um, the the Tyler Vance sponsored movie club. Streaming in Kingston. Streaming in Kingston. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I, I literally just realized you can't call it Memorial. He's still alive. Um, yeah, I don't know what you would call something when they're when still they're, living. When you're when like, you name something after a honorarium. Person, yeah, yeah, like in honor of this person. Yeah, I don't know. But the point is, is we were doing a movie club. We've got four films coming up as part of this movie club, and it's very exciting. Why don't you tell our listeners what the movies are? Okay, I. So basically, the, the thematically, what we decided to do here was, and we talked about this last episode, that we were going to pick movies that the other person we thought would hate. So yes. Taylor picked two movies, I picked two movies, and I just sort of like randomly put them in, but made sure we went back and forth. So one week, there's a movie that Taylor should hate. There's one week, there's a movie that I should hate. So our choices are, so for today's episode, we're going to talk about The Coal Miner's Daughter, that was selected by Taylor, so that should be one that I hate. Stay tuned. I can't um, wait. I can't wait to know whether or not you hated it. Uh, April. You don't have strong emotions. I don't. <laughs> so, no, not unless it's like Marvel or Star Trek. Sure. So I don't know if you're actually going to hate the movies I picked. Okay, well, we'll, we'll, we'll talk. Uh, April 14th, <laughs> The Last Man on the Moon. I picked that I, one. I, I've never even heard of it before. It's a documentary. Uh, so I wanted to throw a documentary in there, and it, it was the only thing I could find on Netflix that was like a real space movie, like in terms of the way you were describing what you didn't like, because right. there were two options I was considering, two other ones, but one of them I think you would actually like, so I decided to stay away from it, because Jake Gyllenhaal's in it, and Ryan Reynolds is in it, and it's more of a like horror space sci-fi movie. Yeah, I would have liked that. Yeah, so you would like that. And then um, there was another movie that I was considering, but again, it was too close to being sci-fi fantasy. So I went with the straight-up space movie. They're just going to space based on real life, trying to make sure you hate it. Um, They're on the friggin' moon. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And then April 21st, The Awakening of Modi... Maudie? Maudie? I don't know. I actually haven't I haven't seen this movie, so I okay. don't know how to pronounce that name. Maudie Walkenberg. Uh, and then April 28th, Captain America, First Avenger. Obviously, I picked that one. Um, so, I mean, two of our fans did write in questions specifically asking why, like, to know more information as to why we chose these films. So we're going to do fan questions a little later because some people are relating and that's what we're going to do each week. We want you as fans to write in to tell us what you think about the movie and we're going to include that when we review it. I know that you were, we were a little late to it. I was moving this week so Sunday was the first day I could sit down with some okay internet and go okay we can promote this. So um, 
two of the questions did come in about why did we like details why did we choose these movies so why don't we just go back and forth and talk about all four and why we picked them starting with the coal miner's daughter um taylor why did you pick this movie <laughs> all right before i say why i picked it i do want to encourage our listeners to watch along oh yes please stream along with uh, us Thank um you. so if you didn't get a chance to watch the coal miner's daughter you have a whole week now um and all the movies we picked are on netflix so the whole point is that you're going to watch and engage with us as we go along yes and we everything you say we'll make sure we we include and we talk about and debate and you can ask questions or just throw out thoughts just like you would if yeah. you're just reviewing the film we want your hot takes yeah all the hot takes did you hate it did you are you more on the taylor side of the spectrum the me side of the spectrum we don't know truth and time will tell um, so but, we'll talk about uh, the coal miner's daughter. Yeah. So I went through at the coal miner's daughter is actually the second movie I picked for you. Um, cause at first what I did was I went to immediately the foreign section of Netflix <laughs> and I wanted to pick a movie that would have subtitles, which I assume the awakening of what it has subtitles, the awakening of, I, I sure hope so. Okay. <laughs> so I picked the coal miner's daughter because I was on I you know I picked the Maudie movie and then I'm on the home page of Netflix and the coal miner's daughter pops up and I'm like oh that that's sissy spacek that looks interesting I'll google it real quick and it's a biopic of a country <laughs> western singer yeah <laughs> and so I'm like Mike hates music. Yep. <laughs> and I hate biopics about musicians. Yep. And it's like, a, it's a little bit of an older movie. It came out in 1980. And your frame of reference for film, typically we only talk about, you talk about movies that are kind of like 90 plus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My, most of my, my like of movies is, yeah, 90s to kind of yeah. now. With the like odd sort of exception, there's a couple '80s and '70s films, but it's really like if it's '80s, it's late '80s, yeah. Yeah. So it's older. It's a biopic. It's a musician, and there's actual. It's almost there's like actual singing in it, and you yeah. hate musicals. I was gonna. I was actually gonna ask that. I was wondering if she. It looked to me like she was actually singing, but I I wasn't 100 sure. That was actually gonna be my first question. As and if we fun, she was. well, fun fact: Sissy Spacek did all her own singing. Okay, there you go. So yeah. that answers that question. Um, yeah, I mean, I to me, that movie as to why you picked it, like jumps out. Like as you're saying, it like, makes it's sense. a biopic. It's a biopic about <laughs> a musician. It's it's a country western singer. Yeah, so definitely uh, makes sense to me. And I think I already explained, like Last Man on the Moon. I wanted a space movie. I mean, there. no surprise. I wasn't um, surprised with your picks whatsoever. No, and uh, no one should be. Um, <laughs> I, and The Last Man of Moon, actually, I have not seen that. I've seen, I've heard about it. It's been on my kind of watch list for a long time, but I haven't actually sat down to, to watch it. So that's a, that's a movie on here that I picked that I haven't actually seen yet. So I'll be definitely watching along for the first time next week with that. Cool. Um, okay, so I guess the, the April 21st, you wanted something with subtitles. Um, yeah, I, I didn't look into this movie at all. Like, I don't know anything about it. I just grabbed a couple pictures from the internet so we could promote it. But I, I don't actually know anything about this movie. So it is. I've also have never seen this movie. But when I was combing through the foreign films, is 
sounded like a movie you probably wouldn't like because it's described as like um like a zany or quirky rom-com no great (laughs) (laughs) and um it's about um an orthodox jewish young man who's gonna be his mom's trying to set him up with his a wife essentially Okay. okay and i thought this is like a very specific cultural community yes, yes. yeah <laughs> quite specific. you have like no frame of reference with zero like very <laughs> like um so that's because it's like a very culturally specific movie and it has subtitles and it's like an offbeat rom-com again thought this would be a movie you would yeah, you're, like. you're checking all the wrong boxes so there you go <laughs> you, you you know my taste in movies definitely yes. at least what i don't like yeah um and then yeah we end off the month april 28th with captain america first avenger i mean yeah i needed i was gonna go space for one superhero movie for another obviously um but i also i was trying to think of a marvel movie that i didn't think you you had seen because i don't think you saw captain america first avenger it was the first captain no america movie. okay and i wanted to pick one like i did when i made you walk watch black panther I wanted to pick a movie that stood on its own. Like, you can watch Captain America the First Avenger without really any reference to what's going on. It's also a period piece because it's set yeah, in World the War 1940s. II. Yeah, and, and Tommy Lee Jones is in it, which seems to be, to, at least we, we begin and end with Tommy Lee Jones. He's in Coal Miner's Daughter. Coal Miner's Daughter, yeah. <laughs> and it's actually really funny because I was, I was watching this movie... And I knew it was him right off the bat. I mean, he's so distinct in the way he talks, in his voice, and in the way he looks. But I was—I just couldn't get over the fact that he looked young. I, I just—I've never thought like Tommy, Tommy Lee Jones is one of those actors, just like Morgan he looks Freeman, old in like, the coal mine. I know, but he's—you know what I mean? Like he's younger. He's not like uh, yeah, fair. He's not the way he is now. Like I thought he was just always a seventy-year-old man, just like. Like, I don't know what Morgan Freeman looks like, you know, young. Young, You know, yeah. he's never been young. It's the same with Tommy Lee Jones. So that that shocked me. I was like, what is the, like, what is going on here? Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's interesting. We're starting and ending with the same actor. Who knew? Who knew? But yeah, that's, that's our April movie club. So there's four. We're going to do one each week. Um, we're both going to watch it. We hope you watch along with us. It's all available on Netflix. All four of them are on Netflix. So that, that we thought that was easiest because everybody pretty much has Netflix. Yeah. As far as we know. Um, but yeah, we wanted to do... The... And not to like discriminate against people who don't have Netflix. No, no, of <laughs> course not. But we wanted to go with the more, like more people probably have Netflix than like all everyone have Crave or yeah. something. You know, we wanted to go with the one that was the... the Most OG. accessible. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, to me, that theme is what makes it cool. Every week, we've got a movie that we think the other one's going to hate. Will they end up hating it? Will it change their mind on it? We don't know. It's just it's funny. It's, it's funny. It's fun. It's <laughs> hey, you know what? We are self-isolating. <laughs> so what? Can we you need do? some fun. We need some fun. Um, and yeah, this this week we're talking about the coal miner's daughter, and got a lot, got a lot to say there. Um, so let's uh, let's dive into some fan questions. Though let's let's talk about a couple of the ones that that we can do prior to talking about the movie, or at least lead us into the movie. Um, cool. Because we actually have a couple fan questions that came out from the release of um, of this information. So um, Sarah writes in and she says, uh, "Hi, hi, Mike and Taylor. 
a fantastic lineup. Uh, I've only seen one of the three movies uh, in this list, so I'm very excited to watch along with you. I wanted to know, first of all, what made you choose this for the other person? If you can go into some detail as to why you made your choices, that'd be great. And second of all, do you think that you'll have to change your, your rating system because we only have the choice to stream it and we are following along with you so we can't really skip it. Any thoughts on that? I guess it's going to be a, a like it or hate it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I, For I think, April. Yeah, I think Sarah brings up a real good question, and I think Taylor just answered it. Like, I, don't even, I, I think that makes the most sense because that, that's the point, right? Like, we're either going to say like it, hate it. <laughs> you know, that's pretty much what we're going to say. Because, wah, wah. because that's it. Like, the whole point is we think the other one's going to hate it. I would, you know, I'll be surprised if we, we hit one of us liking one of these. Who knows? And I'll give like a little bit more of a rating because I haven't seen any of these movies. You haven't seen so, any of them. Yeah, I um, also chose movies that I thought you would hate, but movies that I would have liked to have watched that I haven't seen before. Because I want to go in kind of with like fresh yeah. eyes. Yeah. So, you know, I may very well hate The Awakening of Maudie Walken Brook. <laughs> so, hopefully, we will, um, we'll learn how to say it. Hopefully. Yeah. But hopefully, <laughs> a couple characters will say it in the movie. You hope, but, but you never know. <laughs> yeah. So, I'll give my like it and hate it, but then I'll also be like, you know, you could skip this one if you weren't watching along. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. And I think, I think. Because we, you know, I unfortunately could only release the schedule Sunday, I understand that less people probably watched along with us this week. And, you know, you can, people can skip them here or there, even wait for our reviews. It's like, is this worth listening to? And then give us your comments for next week. Like, I'll read comments from, from a coal miner's daughter during next week's episode as well. Like, people can watch but it. But not this in week. May. No, no. Once we get to the end of <laughs> April, we're done with the movie club. We'll, we'll have a new thing because we'll probably still be isolating. Who knows? Okay, so the next question comes actually from Instagram, and this is a question I forgot to include last week that I meant uh -oh. to include, and it was specifically about some of the imagery that I sent out to promote our mailbag episode. So what I did was on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, if people follow us, I chose like scenes from movies where someone was reading mail. So yeah. one of them... I thought was... it was a little cheesy. Okay, well... <laughs> what, what was I supposed <laughs> You can only have so many pictures of a mailbag sitting on the ground, you know? Like, I, I wanted know. to. Anyway, uh, one of them was from uh, You've Got Mail. Yeah. And uh, someone asked discussion or debate topic. You've Got Mail is basically a copy and paste of Sleepless in Seattle wrapped around an AOL advertisement. Change my mind. Um, so that comes from SK. One LL for XED. <laughs> so that's the that's name of their go. Instagram. Handle. It sounds like a robot. Um, have you seen both Sleepless in Seattle and You've Got Mail? Uh, I've seen Sleepless in, Sleepless in Seattle probably when I was like eight, like at my Baba's house. Sure. Um, so I only really remember like them going to the Space Needle. Does that happen? They like meet. I think so because At, like the if, landmark. If I'm because I, I, you know, I will. This fan's statement and debate topic is is pretty good because I I will admit that 
there's a huge similarity between the two. So I have confused them before, but I'm pretty sure Sleepless in Seattle is the one where he gets on the radio and he's yeah. a kid, right? Like there's a, yeah. there's a kid that's with him. And to me, that was always the main difference between that and you've got males. It, it wasn't two people randomly connecting over email. It was someone who I think his kid wants him to start dating again because his wife passed away, I think. If I'm remembering, I know he has a kid in Sleepless in Seattle and there's some sort of like the kid wants him to date again and get out there. And It's been so long. I can't remember. Yeah, I know there's a kid, time. there's radio and a Seattle landscape. But that would be my like position. If I were to take a position in the debate, if, if I was defending like their different movies, I would say that because that's a core thematic thing that's very apparent in one that's not apparent in the other. Like to me, You Got Mail is, is literally just about two people trying to get together like there's no there's no other people involved from what i remember and and this when you have a kid it complicates things it changes things and i think that that adds a new dimension to the movie i have not seen you got mail so but <laughs> that basic summary people connecting over the radio and people connecting over like instant messenger pretty similar oh for sure and i'm pretty sure they email each other in sleepless in seattle and, and send fam like there's mail back and forth like i'm pretty sure there's like <laughs> that type of communication as well like I, I think i can still i can remember her at a typewriter typing some like maybe a letter or something so yeah it's pretty similar but i still think that there's there's nuance if again if i'm remembering because it'll be embarrassing be if the kids the, are the other one you might be giving the movie more credit than it's <laughs> yeah that's due. very true that's very true i mean they're romantic comedy movies i mean they're they are what they a lot are. of them are formulaic yeah but i i do think that it's just interesting that it was the same two actors right like it's, it's the same director is it i don't know that's a good question we should look that because up if because if it is it, then guilty I mean, yeah i mean it's definitely the same actor i mean though i would give it credit if it wasn't if it was the same director because it, the, then they're like you know they understand the formula that works so you got mail was nora efron nora efron okay yes and sleepless and also nora, nora efron <laughs> no okay but to me that gives me credit because that director clearly has a style that works has yeah a she knows what she's doing she to me it would be worse when it's two different ones that's like deep impact and armageddon coming out the same year two different directors two different studios like we're friends friends with benefits and no strings attached and no strings attached yeah it's like that to me is is worse <laughs> when you have the same dumb idea but when it's the same group of people being like okay this first movie was really successful let's do something else with these actors let's try to mix it up a little bit but follow the same formula. To me, I give them credit for at least doing that. Gosh, people loved Meg Ryan. Yeah, she was like, big she for was a huge. long time. Wasn't she in a movie like a little bit later with Hugh Jackman that was also a romantic comedy? Kate and Leopold? Yeah, that, that's, that's it, yeah. The one great where movie. he travels through time or whatever. Yeah, yeah. great movie. Yeah, that's what I thought. Classic. Um, next question comes from Twitter. Uh, objective insanity asks who would hate captain america <laughs> taylor go ahead taylor curry so why why do you, thought... like why do you think that is the perfect selection for a movie <laughs> for you that you might hate i mean right in the name captain america yeah like i don't know if our listeners are aware that i am a little bit anti-america but, like, you're anti what America currently is. 
American imperialism. Yeah. So which isn't like which has current. Nothing to do that with, like has deep seated roots in the in American history. But it has nothing to do with Captain America. I I mean, I may be shocked, but um from my experience of American war movies and um superhero movies, a lot of it is just propaganda for American exceptionalism. Um no. <laughs> Not that, I mean, I think, I think if you're looking for it, you can find that type of thing anywhere you want. Like if you're if you're if you think you're gonna find it, you're probably gonna find it somewhere. But these movies do a pretty good job of separating from it's. It is just a name, and the the his name, Captain America. I mean, it explains in the movie how he got and why he got it. It's actually kind of interesting, and it's it's the same in the comic books, but it's. It's kind of the idea of what America is supposed to stand for, but never can and never does. And that's kind of the conflict he has is he is it's it's kind of what Star Trek Picard was supposed to be and should have been, where it's one person has the ideals of a larger organization, but the larger organization is corrupt because power corrupts. And the singular individual is better than than the the community where it should be the other way around like society is supposed to be better than than the thinking of an individual but it reverses it so i i think you'll find there's there's something ad, to admire about the character in there you might find some of that stuff you hate but i i, I don't know i i have hope you're gonna like this movie we'll see i have hope we we'll will see, see. You gotta uh, wait till the end of the month yeah <laughs> i put that one at the end of the month for a reason um Okay, uh, Josh is next up, and then we're going to save uh, Tyler Vance has written in. Uh, we're going to save his thoughts till we start talking about the movie. But Josh has some random questions. Uh, oh, hey, for both of us, he asks, if you could co-direct a movie with any director, who would it be? I mean, probably no question, Wesley Anderson. Oh, yeah, you would 100% be with yeah. Wesley Anderson. I feel like you would get a lot out of that experience. Yeah. Like, I'd get to, like, meet all my favorite actors. Oh, for sure. And, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, because he works with a lot of my favorite actors. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think of an actor. Like, he's never worked with Joaquin Phoenix or Christian Bale. No. But, like, or Adam Driver, but, like, pretty much everyone else. I could see Adam Driver being in a Wes Anderson movie. Yeah. Like, he Adam Driver was pretty good in that terrible... Um, deadpan he had a deadpan performance in that oh the zombie movie? zombie movie yeah the dead don't die yes that's it it's on crave now um and but he was quite good in it i mean he's always good he was probably the best part of that movie but yeah um for listeners if you missed our review of the dead don't die that was a skip it not a good movie no. do not watch it on crave it was it was so terrible um but yeah that yeah wes anderson's a good one i don't know who i would pick um you know who else would be good? Yeah. Takio wa... Taika Waititi? Yeah. He'd be fun. He would be fun. Like, he would just be a zany guy. Yeah, that's kind of like, to me, that's more like you just have a really good time um, with yeah. someone who clearly knows what he's doing, but it, he, he's zany, so he's entertaining. I feel like you'd learn a lot from Wes Anderson and just watching him process things. Mm -hmm. Like, I would be interested before he burned out and disappeared, I would have been interested in... in being on set during like anything that Joss Whedon was working on, um, 
but more so for me, that's in the writing room. I'm more interested in him as a writer and like wh- how he kind of comes up with dialogue. So who would and, you want to co-write a script with? Yeah, like maybe Joss Whedon. That would be fun. Um, um, Phoebe Walter-Bridge does really good work. Like The Fleabag? Yeah, like her writing is hilarious and awesome. So I, I feel like I'd learn the most in those kinds of situations. Um, so I, I would be interested in being involved, being in a writing process with the two of them, because that would that would be interesting, like for very different reasons. But I, I like that both of them have a have a way with dialogue that I really like. You make making it feel real and interesting, but also unique enough to fit a character, if that makes sense. Like they they write so well that you know that Joss Whedon has talked about it in his commentary that he knows the characters well enough to know this line is 100% a thing that only this one person would say. And I think that that is actually quite true of, of humans. I think we're so unique that sometimes things are said that are general, but sometimes people say things like that only could have come out of your mouth. <laughs> like it's just that, that unique. So yeah, I, I'd love to be in a writing room with them. But directing-wise, I don't know. I think I, I like such a wide range of directors that I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind working on a film with anybody. What about, um, his name's Sean Pe- Pegg? Sean Simon Pegg? Pegg? Yeah, Simon Pegg. Or I Sean see, Gunn? No, or, yeah, the Simon guy Pegg? who was in, um, he did the Star Trek. Yeah, you're thinking Sean of the Dead and Star Trek. Yeah. and Yeah, yeah, Hot Fuzz and that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Simon Pegg, oh, for sure. I that, could see definitely. you wanting to work with him. Oh, yeah. I mean, if, if I was able to sit down with, with Simon Pegg while he was writing a Star Trek movie, that would be incredible. Like, J.J. Abrams, maybe that would be my director of choice. Like, if Simon Pegg was writing a Star Trek movie that J.J. Abrams was going to direct and I was allowed to be there, I'd have so many thoughts. <laughs> like, that would be, that would be great. I'd, I'd be on board for that. 90s Tim Burton. Ooh, yeah. Like, before he kind of... Went off and sold out. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't want to say like I don't know if that's like a contentious. Does issue. whatever like, he does. Now, I don't think I don't his essentially from like I don't know like the mid two thousands onward. I think I don't. I he lost the magic in my opinion. Yeah. So oh no, I totally agree. Yeah, he one hundred percent lost the magic. He's he's not what he was before in any. So way. old Tim Burton old would Tim be Burton. a good one. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, Josh continues. Another question. Oh, these are all just for both of us. Um, if a documentary or or biography movie was made about your life, who would you want to cast to play the role of you? Okay, so we've answered this question before, Josh. You you haven't gone back and watched this. You need to do your homework. We actually cast each other. Um, and we talked about this like two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. I, <laughs> I. But maybe he wants to know what we would cast for ourselves. But I'm fine with our selections. I mean, I... I was fine with with skinny Jonah Hill, fat Matt Damon for me, and Florence Pugh for you. <laughs> so yeah, I, you know I think we're both content. <laughs> I think that I think your casting for me was better than my original choice, which was Carrie Mulligan. She she's okay. I think Florence Pugh looks a, more like yeah me. yeah. I think she's a better choice, and I think Florence Pugh has the range. I don't. I Carrie Mulligan is still. I think. Developing She's too range. proper. Yeah. It's it's hard to like, I think it's really hard to play someone in real life. So I think you need a pretty good actor for that. And I think Florence Pugh is that good. I think she's fantastic. Not she's that really I'm good. like the most complex creature on the face of the planet. No, but, but I think because you're real, 
you you I are am. more I'm complex. Authentic. Yeah, like I think you are more complex for that reason. So to me, I'm still pretty happy with that. Like I I'd be I'd be fine if if Matt Damon from the from Contagion or Jonah Hill when he's having a good week plays me like that's that to me is i'm jonah totally hill's very that. talented oh it's jonah hill's great like i think jonah hill has the range for sure yeah and could could and could matt damon looks person. like you and yeah and like matt damon i think if you were going for like really off the, and like matt damon's a good actor oh yeah i just think that jonah hill especially recently has shown like a wide range of different things mm-hmm. again it all depends like when you were casting me you had picks for depending upon if it was more of a comedy or is it more of a drama like it all depends what yeah where you're kind of going down um, but you know, maybe they could play me at different stages. You know, it'd be fun if our listeners casted us. For oh, a movie. Definitely. definitely. More so because they don't really know what we look like. No, but they hear our voices <laughs> and they know our personalities. So yes, let's put that out there. Let's uh, here's our challenge for next week to anyone who who wants to participate. Josh, you asked this question, so you do you do as well. Who would you have play us? Cast cast Taylor and I in some sort of a biopic movie. Um, send in your selections to our email or any of our uh, social media platforms. Um, screeninginkingston at gmail.com. That's our email. So just send in those casting thoughts. Who would play us? That'd so be fun. Josh's last question. Would you rather not be allowed to watch any movies for a year or not be allowed to watch any television series, including all streaming service originals, for a year? Okay, Josh. Um Unpopular opinion, I'd forego movies. Really? Only because... Television is so good right yeah, now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Quite frankly, like, um, you know, uh, any given HBO series, it's just as immersive as watching a two-hour film. Instead, I'm getting, you know, an hour 20 for 10 weeks. Yeah, I would. I would probably... See, I would probably forego TV just because I watch movies more. Because I also have a movie collection. So I assume this question is like you can watch like any movie you want. I I would pop on a movie probably more than I would pop on a TV show. But again, I, I get your point though. Like it's the golden age of television in a big way. And, and some of these shows are so good. They're pretty much long movies. Yeah, like long form oh, narrative. Sure. Every season of Game of Thrones is like a, a 10 hour movie. So that might be an unpopular opinion, considering we're a movie podcast. No, but you bring up a good point. You've given me things to think about. But like, because this is like worst case scenario, you know, you're choosing between your two babies. That's correct. Right? Yeah. So I, quite frankly, would choose prestige television right now. Like, if this was like the 90s, then I would have picked movies. Yeah. Because like... The nine, like nineteen ninety nine, was like an amazing year for film. Oh yeah, but for like sure. right now in twenty twenty, considering that every movie is going to be delayed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right <laughs> now it's not fair. I'd pick movies because I mean, I'd pick TV because I can't go to the movies. But yeah, but I, I don't know. I, I'm I, being pragmatic. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a hard it's a hard time now for movies. Um, but yeah. So before I get to um, the there's two two more questions, but they're very much related to the movie. Let's um. Let's start talking about the coal miner's daughter. Let's right. talk about this movie. Um, so, <laughs> do you know anything about Loretta Lynn? No, I knew who she was though. Right, like, like the I, name was I've, familiar. Oh, for sure. Like I, I definitely knew the name. I didn't know any of her songs. I knew she was a country singer. 
Um, I, but again, I have no basis if she's alive or dead or what. Like, she's alive. Okay. She, um, but, uh, do, do little is not her husband. Really? Oh, yeah, he's okay. dead. I didn't know that. So just quick overview. This movie is, is a, the true, I guess it's a true story of. It's based on the biography okay. of the same name. So Loretta Lynn co-wrote it with an author. Okay, so it's so, relatively accurate. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it was wildly popular when it came out. This movie was wildly popular or the documentary? It's the seventh highest grossing film in 1980. You gotta be kidding me. <laughs> and it was um, nominated for Oscars. Well, I mean, of course. Because it's a Oscars biopic. Oscars love biopics. They love music, like, of course. And, I mean, country has a huge fan base. I'm not going to say that that's... I guess it's not totally shocking. I just, so, I mean, it basically goes through her, her rise to, to stardom. It her from a very, very poor coal mining community to becoming the, what do they call her, the first lady of country or whatever. She's the first lady of country. Yeah, yeah. Um, makes me sick. Anyway, so <laughs> I, this movie, the, let's, okay, the film itself, I think as like just a like tech on a technical standpoint, like it's fine. You know, it's it's relatively well shot. I mean, it has this '80s thing of of dialogue not really being important, so it's kind of mumbled and off to the side, and you don't really know when you're in like a scene and when it's in like background stuff. It's just kind of like all over the place. But man, those accents were really hard to know what was going on, especially really? at the beginning. I, at least for the first like 30 minutes of the film, like once people started to get older, maybe it was easier. But like there was sometimes time when Lee Jones was speaking, I'm like, I don't know what he's saying. Like it's so country, it's so south that I, I'm, there was a few <laughs> things I wanted to write down and I, and I forgot to, to note them because there were a couple sayings that I was like, that, that could only come out of. <laughs> like a movie from this time Dirt frame. Poor yeah, stuff. like that like these sayings are ridiculous. Um but so on a technical standpoint, like I want to just say that with everything that I thought of this movie, I at least can can respect the like quality of filmmaking. It's a well-crafted film. For sure. Yeah, like It's I, not like in my opinion, it's not like I wasn't blown away by the filmmaking, no. but it it aged very well, in it, my opinion. It doesn't flow, I think, as well as like modern film mu music biopics do, where you kind of get to like the exciting incidences faster. Like this one is a bit more of a slower crawl, which is nothing wrong with that. But it was a stylistic thing of the time, right? Like the, I think it was like forty minutes into the movie before she like really started to like sing a sing. lot yeah <laughs> i i literally i remember checking the time being like what like how long is this movie and why like what she hasn't even like indicated no, that she, she enjoys music a, a thought that music has ever come up in her life until about 40 minutes of the movie and i was i couldn't believe it i I was very, uh, I was very confused by that. But that—that's the type of thing I didn't like about this film. I found it horribly inconsistent in some areas, especially when it came to like character traits. So, do you know? Do you remember the scene where they go to the radio station, and her husband is trying? They've decided to like leave their kids and just like travel to all these radio stations, to try to get them to play her record. Yeah. So they go to the one radio station, and like, he's like, she's she says something about like, well, like. 
in like Southern Twain, like, how are we going to get them to play my song? And, and he's like, just open your mouth and like, it's going to go from there. And so she, she rambles, right? Like she, she's a big personality and starts talking. But that is the first time in the movie that I remember seeing that. Like, they never established that she had a big personality, that she just talks and talks and talks and talks, and all her personality seemed to form in that moment and then carry on throughout the film. Like, I, I felt her, the inconsistencies of her character were, were mind-boggling to me. I didn't really notice that, but, like, now that you bring it up, like, true, like, she doesn't, um, yeah, like, she's not, like... They kind of portray her in that scene as a motor mouth, but we don't see her as a motor mouth at all before that. Yeah, no, we don't. We don't see that moment. And and I mean, I wanna I wanna get to the messed up relationship between her and her husband and her father in a second, but I I just felt like the movie up to that point had really established her kind of in a, I was feeling sympathy towards her moment. You and know, she's kind of passive. Yes, but exactly. That's, that's kind of my point is that I was feeling sympathy towards her and she was passive with everything going on. She was almost as, almost a prop in, in this story, which made it, which did make it interesting to me because I was feeling like, wow, this is like, this is someone who's been through a lot. She's really had a rough time. These people are not treating her great. She's kind of been utilized in a lot of ways. And then and suddenly she has this personality. Loretta Lynn. Mm -hmm. She was 15 when she got married. Okay, I think and she, was, she was younger. And Doolittle, her husband, Doolittle Lynn. Well, in real she life, was, she was oh, okay, 15. Okay, because in the movie, she was in 14. In the movie, yeah, she, in the she movie, was, they, she says she's 14. Was, I don't know why they make that difference. I don't know. And I, her dad said a line near the beginning that I missed of like, well, you're, you're just not even 14. And I thought I made it up. Like when it was closer to no, her she getting does married, say, he I was does like, say that. I was like, wait a minute, isn't she like, no, maybe I made that up. And then someone says it again, and I'm like, what? She's 13 years old. She's not even 14 yet. She's like, so, all the way to 14. In real life, she was 15. Why I don't know if that makes that? it any better. No, it I don't make know. It any better at all. I don't <laughs> know why they would change it by like a couple of years. And Doolittle was 21. <laughs> and they got married after knowing each other okay. one month. I was wondering how old he was because he he came back from the army right so in the u.s i think you have to be 18 yeah so he okay. was probably drafted at like 18 and yeah this was after the war was over so i was assuming he was in his 20s i just didn't know yeah. in real life he was 21 21 okay see <laughs> that's the thing because this is what i didn't like about this movie and this is what i don't like about music pic biopics because they're all the same and every everyone in everyone's life is just to me seems so horrible and and usually around music stuff it's like well there's alcohol and drug abuse this has like none of that and it focuses just on how bad these people are because there's one scene where her husband just after them getting married and they have like a house and he's like yelling at her for like her saying you have to give me more time or something for for screwing something up and he's like yeah i gotta give you more time more time to learn how to clean and more time to to learn how to take care of the house and more time to learn how to love your husband properly and i was like yeah she's 13. of course she doesn't know any of those things she like those are things that i'm 33 and i don't know all those things like I, I i i clean the best i can i can't really cook that much i cook a little bit but then not too much so like I, I don't understand like I was so frustrated and angry 
at this, but I don't know if that was just the way it was. Or they had a just... very dysfunctional marriage. Yeah, clearly, I could. And like he was a bad alcoholic. But that wasn't really touched upon that I can remember. Maybe I maybe there was like a because I I remember him entering a bar the one time, but he was watching her on a show or something. Like I don't remember copious scenes. I think he grabbed I think alcohol it's once. Just or more something. so. There's like a there's scenes where they're on a tour bus. Yes, and it's like more or less obvious he's wasted. And he's yeah, and, and I think I've seen like he drinks a few times. Like but but that was pretty subtle. Like if they were trying to make a thing with that, they they weren't in the movie. Like that might be the real life thing, but but in the movie, I can only take what they what they kind of give you. And instead, you're just like, wow, these people are just. What? Not that alcoholism is an excuse for bad behavior, but no. instead, it's just like. But when you take alcoholism, two horrible people just exactly. <laughs> That's my point. When you take alcoholism, out, yeah, I agree. It's not that it's an excuse, but when you take alcoholism out and when you take drugs out, what's left? This this horrible guy. Who treats her horrible? And I couldn't. I was so angry when the father was like, "Don't you ever hit her." And like five minutes earlier, he he like was beating her with a stick in front of all the other children. It was a different time, Mike. They're I in like the Appalachian that. Mountains. And I, I get it. I just I, I thought it was such a weird choice to have the, the kids were sitting there all watching, like the, the camera pans and the kids are all sitting there and like, okay, kids, go to bed. And it's like that was their only purpose of being here. To was, you know, watch her. Yeah, that's what Gibby. happened. That's pretty much what happened. But it, it, to me, that like made sense though. I'm like, they're dirt poor coal miners. Like, yeah, dad beats the older sister in front of the younger siblings to make a point. Hmm. I don't know. I guess just like, again, not that I'm saying like, yes, beat your kids. But I was looking at it more as like a cultural artifact. Yes, yes. From like, you know, this is like late 1940s, early 1950s. Oh, for sure. Impoverished southern state. Yo. Like, um, so I don't know. Those, like, all that made sense to me. Like, I didn't feel a disjoint. Like, it to me, it wasn't... Anytime someone did something quote unquote bad, I'm like, that makes sense within the cultural context. So I guess where I'm feeling the disconnect, and maybe I, I have to admit this might be a, a me thing versus everybody else. What I can't understand is the the progression of this movie and her songs at the end and, and sort of the song that's like the coal miner daughter song. To me, I don't I don't get I never got that sense from her that she grew or changed that much. I mean, there were quick changes in her character, but I didn't really see growth. And I don't, I never saw that moment of she's looking back fondly on this life that was terrible. And for some reason she got something out of it. Like to me, that's a disconnect. Like she was just, she was clearly victimized. I felt awful for her at the beginning. She was very passive. Suddenly she has a big personality and she's like pushing back and fighting back against her husband but it kind of just happened out of nowhere i know she was influenced quite a bit um patsy klein is that the name of yeah that? yeah she was influenced quite a bit by her and and that relationship was clearly powerful for her but i don't know other than that i i just i, I felt the movie was missing a clear I don't know, character path or something that i usually look for in in a movie so i was just kind of all over the place with it I agree that in terms of 
sort of character development or pacing, those to me were some weak points. Right. Like I would have liked to have seen a more robust evolution in her music career. Yeah. Um, but what you consider inconsistencies didn't necessarily bother me because mm -hmm. overall I found the movie an enjoyable experience. Okay, so I you thought, liked the movie. Yeah. So, I mean, is this the best movie I ever saw? No. I'm really glad you said that. <laughs> or <laughs> this podcast was about to go off the rails. <laughs> I don't think it's the best movie ever made, but I certainly enjoyed watching the movie, especially in like, like the times that we're going through now, like sometimes you just want to put on a movie and just kind of enjoy yourself. And that's kind of how I feel with this movie. Like if you're a fan of country Western music, if you're a fan of sort of uh, like Southern culture, if you're interested kind of in like Appalachian music, um, I think you'll enjoy this movie if you're able to kind of go beyond some of the inconsistent plotting and the inconsistent character development. I think Sissy Spacek did a really beautiful, I don't want to go so far as to say beautiful job, but I think she did a very good job with what she was given. Um, and her singing is very good. Yeah, I will, I will credit. <laughs> yeah, her, her voice is quite good. Um, yeah. and so like, for me, it was just like a nice movie. Nice. I guess, yeah, I mean, I guess the pacing was definitely a problem for me and I just, I, I wasn't. I wasn't entertained, and obviously it comes down to my own bias of not really liking music to begin with, but I'm just so sick and tired of movies about the music industry and how awful the music industry is and how horrible this is, but it's like, I don't know, I hate to like jump to an unpopular like political opinion, but like I don't know, a lot of these things people do to themselves or they they get themselves in these situations to me this was a victim like she, she didn't do anything she just had a good voice and someone saw potential in her like this is probably the only like redeeming quality her husband had was that he saw potential in in her voice like that's that's really it she she had like a not so great time growing up her father was horrible to her yet was then you know would quickly flip switch to uh, beating your daughter to then warning off her husband to never hit her. Um, like, I, I just, to me, I, I thought it went kind of nowhere. And I was kinda, the music was like entertaining and like seeing her succeed was entertaining for sure. But yeah, I, I was definitely not into this movie from like the beginning. It was a hate it? Oh yeah, I definitely <laughs> hated this movie. And I, I kind of got to the end of it and was like, Okay, that's <laughs> like another another musician having a horrible life. I guess I was like, it was nice to see that it was a little different. I mean, it's nice to see it's not the same drug and alcohol problem that apparently everybody has in the music industry, which I've heard is like a cultural thing. Like that's part of the music industry and it's a big issue. But it, it you know, she, I don't know, she, she went down a bit of a different path. I didn't know that about her. I didn't know her husband was like an alcoholic. I, I didn't get that sense certainly starts to clear up some stuff i don't think like when i was reading kind of a better life it doesn't seem like drugs and alcohol were an issue no it didn't. It was just more like no. her her husband had a drinking problem and they touch a little bit upon the pressures of which she is had like thing. a nervous breakdown yeah. in the movie which which like considering the context of everything going on i kind of understood that like i thought they did a better job of at least explaining that because that was the probably the best relationship that, they, that she sort of had 
with Patsy Cline, and I think they actually did a pretty good job of explaining that. Yeah. Of showing this kind of like, here's another powerful, strong female performer, and she sort of like gravitated towards her and, and learned from her. So to me, and you know, spoiler alert, but also history, Patsy Cline's death, um, I think that, that showing that impacting her, to me, made a lot of sense. Um, I want to bring up something that Tyler wrote here. Um, so Tyler Vance wrote in and, and asked quite a few things specifically about this movie. Um, he first said that he's very glad that we took up the movie club banner and are carrying it into battle against the ravages of self-isolation. <laughs> also, he says fear, angst, and boredom. Um, he, he said he's also excited to hear why we chose the movie, which we went into. Um, he said he watched The Coal Miner's Daughter on Sunday and was hit by a Flurry of revelations throughout the runtime. So he had three revelations that I want to go through with you. The first okay. was that Tommy Lee Jones was young once. I agree with <laughs> Which this. you also, also had said, that revelation. Yeah. And it never occurred to him before. He's, Tyler says, I assumed that he came out of the room as a 70-year-old man with the permanent scowl and the voice of a drill sergeant. I couldn't agree more with that. Um, but you're right. The minute he smiles, you see like his wrinkles and... I don't know how old he was during this movie, but like he still looks pretty old. He did not look twenty one. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna <laughs> put it but that you got to admit he looked younger. Like I've I've never seen him like that before. I don't know if I, you've seen him. In a I lot don't of have movies. a lot of um, exposure to him. No, not a lot of Tommy Lee Jones. No, um, I just thought like, wow, he's supposed to be twenty one, and she, she she's thirteen. Like, okay. Um. So. Tyler also says the second revelation was what constitutes as rom romantic has changed rapidly in the in 60 years or so. The relationship in the movie bounced back and forth between quirky but cute to straight up abusive so fast that he still has whiplash and pain in his neck. So that's kind of what we were talking about, right? Is is like this relationship that was not very good between her and her husband. Now, did did she stay with her husband? Like did they ever Divorce, like, was she with him until he died? I can read you. Let's see if I can get to the. Because that would be, I mean, I understand again. So her Wikipedia says Lynn was married for almost 50 years until her husband died at age 69 okay. in 1996. In her 2002 autobiography, Still Woman Enough, and an interview with CBS News the same year, she recounted how her husband cheated on her regularly and once left her while she was giving birth. Lynn and her husband fought frequently, but she said that he never hit me one time that I didn't hit him back twice. Loretta said her marriage was one of the hardest love stories. So... <laughs> well, Tyler's right. What constitutes as romantic is different than as well. Like, just based on what her Wikipedia article says, their marriage was much more tumultuous than even the the movie made it out to be. Like, in the movie, they definitely were, um, like, it was definitely a toxic relationship. Oh, I, absolutely. But, like, based on, like, her own quotes, the marriage was even worse, but that there was, like, a, a real love between them. Okay. So, okay. yeah. Well, I mean, heart so today, we would be like, that's not right. No. Absolutely. But it was a different time. Well, all three of us here are pointing out the uh, the toxic nature of it, right? Yeah. Um, so Tyler continues to say that the final revelation was that biopics um, 
and I have a hard time getting along with because of the contradiction between depicting a life truthfully and trying to convey some greater message about some of or some theme of sort. If any of us look back on our lives, could we distill a cohesive theme? What does my life say about love or family, confidence, fame, growing up? What elements of my life would have to be tweaked in order to make them say something of value to these subjects? And would it still be my life after the changes are done? I wonder if Loretta Lynn thought of her life uh, at the, at, oh, sorry, I thought about her life with these precise mentioned themes and if it would align with what the movie had to say on these topics. What does the coal miner's daughter have to say about family, uh, conviction, fame, and growing up? Namely, it's complicated. Sincerely, Tyler Q's, but no A's, Vance. I mean, he brings up a couple good points. Um, I've said it before yeah. on the show that movies should try to have some sort of thesis or argument. Yes. Um, but that, I mean, there's no definition of film per se. Does a movie have to have an argument? Um, yeah, that, I mean, that's a great point. I mean, I Because then we start getting into arguments yeah. about what art means and yeah. whatever, whatever. I um, mean, to me, film has always been an expression. I'm in the school of thought. I like traditional narrative. Yeah. Um, watching the movie, did it have... Did it have anything to add to kind of the mm. narrative of stardom? Probably not. Yeah, you, you bring up a good point, actually. Like, the, the yeah. you know, stardom, I don't know if there's anything that needs to be said there. I mean, I think, to me, what the movie says is exactly what Tyler's saying. It's it that things are complex and complicated. Like, if, if the movie had spent more time focusing on her relationship with her father and her husband and talking about the complexities of love and complexities of family, then okay, that maybe that's making a point. But I don't know, to me, a movie is more about expression than it is about necessarily having a thesis or a theme. Like you can, you can have a film if an artist is trying to express, which doesn't necessarily mean they have to express something to someone or trying to make a point. It's just they have, they have something to express, which I think is where you get films like Her Smell and um, a marriage story where it doesn't resonate with everybody because it, it's very, very internal to the person who's, who's making it. It's almost therapeutic sometimes in a way. Like I, I know filmmakers have mentioned that. Like there's, there's a certain therapy to getting things out in film in that way. Um, but yeah, I, th this movie to me, I don't know if it does have a message that I got out of it as someone watching it for the first time. I, I think I just felt that she was someone who went through a real hard time, eventually rose to stardom, and has a really complex relationship with everybody. <laughs> I mean, is it like, what, what's the best, yeah. like, what's the non-complex relationship she has in it? Like maybe with her kids? Her path, see, her path. Yeah, that's friendship. <laughs> Well, thank you so much uh, to Tyler for that question. So our last question just comes again from uh, Nicole, not your friend Nicole, another Nicole, um, who wanted to ask us what we thought about the changes in the way that Loretta Lynn dealt with relationships in the movie. 
Um, she noticed that uh, she dealt very passively in the beginning with her father, but slowly and, and surely grew a lot of strength with her husband, mainly because of strong friendships in the middle. Well, that's an interesting point. I mean, I guess I didn't think of it that way, because I guess that's some growth. But I don't know. To me, I don't know what you think, Taylor, about this, but I, to me, it was still too jumpy. It sort of jumped around, and it was too quick. I, um, I'm not as hard on her relationship with her dad than I think most people are making it out to seem today. Like, the fact that she was passive towards her father. She, in the movie, she's 13. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think what they were trying to do was they were trying to show a loving family within a certain cultural context. Right. Um, because when you, if you interpret the lyrics of the coal miner's daughter, the song, yeah. which the title is taken from and what she sings at the end of the movie. Yeah. She's describing a very nice, wholesome, good upbringing. Right. And, um, so when I watched the scenes with her mom and her dad, to me, I just see scenes of a certain cultural time and I didn't see her family as dysfunctional. So to me, it wasn't, she wasn't responding passively to her parents or maybe she was, but that was the norm given the cultural and historical time period. You bring up a like, good point though with her age as well. Like she is only 13. You're 13 and your dad's mad at you for dating a 21 year old. Uh, as he maybe should be. <laughs> yeah. Like to <laughs> me, like his reaction, again, I'm not condoning him using a switch on her, no. but he was, you know, disciplining her, which was in that context showing his love and concern for her. Well, like it, we can't, yeah. we can't, we can't always apply the moral standards of today to the past. No, no, and, and you're right. We can't. And and again, like no, I I definitely don't condone um, using a switch on on anybody for any reason, but. You know, yeah, I, I think he he said something to her. You know, it, you know, you you can't date him; he's too old for you. And and all I thought was, yeah, like he, the guy, you're 13, and and th that point for sure, I I definitely got that. But it, it's so interesting to me that that she would even lower her age in terms of when they actually got married, because I don't. That's a weird artistic choice. I don't know if they years. were. I don't know if they were trying to make it more salacious. Yeah, maybe they, there was a reason why they wanted to make it kind of a little bit, yeah. Like, ooh, like she really is a child. Yeah. Although 15 is still... Yeah, 15, 13, that's pretty... Yeah. It seems like an odd thing to change. Like, we're going to change something. Yeah. Um, but thank you um, for that point, Nicole. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm glad you're looking at the movie from, from kind of that perspective. I, I, to me, saw her jumps in character as, as random. But, Taylor, you make a really good point um, about, you know, she does speak so highly of her upbringing. So it's not like And she we're saw watching that. her grow up. Yeah, like, very it's, true. it's a little bit, I wouldn't say confusing, but because they've used the same actress from the whole time period, you don't get that same sense of transition. No. But probably by the time she's making music, there's like a si at least a six-year time difference, I would say. Yeah, certainly um, six years ago. I actually thought that the use of, of the same person 
was fine. Like I, I thought it, I thought it worked um, having the same actress player all throughout. I just think maybe that added to some people's feelings that it was a little bit jumpy when yeah. really like we have to take into account that a lot of time has passed. She's no longer 13. She's going to react differently than when she was a 13 year old. Very true. No, you bring up a real good point. Um, well, that pretty much brings us to the end of Colmeyer's daughter, at least. Um, that's, uh, that's uh, to me, I didn't like the movie. So, so I'm giving, I'm <laughs> giving it. Yeah, I'm giving it a hate it. Um, what, what about you, Taylor? I liked it. It's a stream it. Stream it. There you go. Taylor says stream it. I say hate it. Um, we just have a, about two minutes left, Taylor. You, you have a list of movies that have been delayed or canceled because of the COVID-19. Do you want to run that down quickly to end off the episode? I'll try to talk fast. So <laughs> some of these movies I'm not even aware of, but they may be on other people's radar. So I'll just try to do my best. Okay. Um, Antebellum is, uh, its current release date is to be determined. Okay. Antlers to be determined. Black Widow, November 6th, 2020. Mm, interesting. Blythe Spirit, September 4th, 2020. Okay. Blue Story, to be determined. Bob's Burgers, the movie, April 9th, 2021. Okay. <laughs> Candyman, September 25th, 2020. The Climb, July 17th, 2020. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, November 5th, 2021. Mm hmm. Dream Horse, September 4th, 2020. The Eternals, February 12th, 2021. F9, which is Fast and the Furious, yep. April 2nd, 2021. Free Guy, December 11th, 2020. Oh, wow, December. This one hurts me. The French Dispatch, October 16th, 2020. Ooh. Ghostbusters Afterlife, March 5th, 2021. Wow. Greyhound, to be determined. Indiana Jones 5, July 29th, 2022. Ooh, that one jumped. In the Heights, to be determined. Jungle Cruise, July 30th, 2021. Oh, they shifted that a whole year. Yeah. M Maliance, to be determined. Minions, The Rise of Gru, Gru July 2nd, 2021, also a full year. Morbius, uh, March 19th, 2021. Mulan, July 24th, 2020. So only a couple months delay on that one. My Spy, April 17th, 2020. Uh, the New Mutants, to be determined. Oh. No Time to Die, November 25th, 2020. The Personal History of David Copperfield, to be determined. Peter Rabbit 2, The Runaway, January 15th, 2021. Promising Young Woman, someone just asked me about this, it might have been Nicole, um, to be determined. Mm -hmm. A Quiet Place 2, September 4th, 2020. Scoob, that's the new Scooby-Doo movie, to be determined. <gasps> A New Secret Garden. Yep. October 14th, 2020, Sing 2, December 22nd, 2021, Spiral, which I think is the Chris Rock, no, it's not the Chris Rock Saw movie, but maybe, because he looks like he's a police officer. Hmm. That's to be determined. SpongeBob, Sponge on the Run, July 31st, 2020, 
Thor, Love and Thunder, February 18th, 2022. Tomorrow War, To Be Determined. Top Gun Maverick, December 23rd, 2020. Uncharted, October 8th, 2021. The Woman and the Widow, To Be Determined. Wonder Woman, 1984, August 14th, 2020. Wow. A lot of those are summer movies getting pushed around, and I think the earliest date you gave was like late June, early July. One of them was April, but that's yeah, definitely going to be pushed. I think the earliest will be back in theaters is June. And whether or not people will feel confident to actually to go, go yeah, that's a good will question. be something well, there you to go. determine. There's a list of movies that are delayed or pushed back. Um, thank you, everyone, so much for listening. Definitely watch along with us next week. For The Last Man on the Moon. That's our next movie in our April movie club. Go stream some movies.